Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God from Galatians chapter 6 as we now conclude our sermon series, a very interrupted sermon series through the book of Galatians. But we do conclude it tonight. I read to you especially verse 14 where Paul writes, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is God's word. Every year at Thanksgiving time, I find myself very critical of that holiday. And it's not because I don't believe that Christians should give thanks. I certainly believe that they should. And it's certainly not any objection to turkey or mashed potatoes and gravy or certainly not pumpkin pie. Those are all wonderful things. What I object to is the way many people talk at that time of year when they say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for so many things. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my house and my kids and my job and my car. Don't get me wrong, it's not wrong to be thankful for those things. The problem I have is of how many people talk about being thankful without any mention of who they are thanking. And a similar dynamic exists here in the book of Galatians. Where St. Paul lays out for us the two different kinds of religions. We talked about that, must have been about six weeks ago now. I think it was in Galatians 2. That there are, we talked about how there are really two religions. There's the religion where you make attempts at your own Salvation, you accomplish something, you do something in order to reach a goal. Or the Christian religion where God does it for you and he does it in his son, Jesus Christ. The word faith is used to say that we have trust and confidence that God has done this for us. But like the word Thanks, or it's like saying, I'm thankful. People do the same thing with the word faith. I have faith. I have faith. I'm going to get through this. I have faith. Things are going to be all right. I have faith that tomorrow will be better than today. That word faith is like thanks. It needs an object. Being thankful needs someone whom you are thankful to. And so also, faith needs an object. Who do you have faith in? Who do you trust that you're going to have this result? Because ultimately, You can have faith in yourself. And that is a damnable condition indeed. 
Because that is the condition with which the Galatians were flirting. By requiring new converts to the Christian faith to be circumcised. So that a, a new convert could say, I am saved, I got circumcised. What exactly is it that they are trusting? They are trusting their own work, their own efforts. Circumcision in that regard is not like baptism. I can definitely point to my baptism and say I'm saved. Why? Because of what God does for me in my baptism. But circumcision has no power to save. It was a curse to the Galatians that they put trust in whether or not their male followers marked themselves in the proper way. Only then would they be considered faithful followers of God. But that is not the Christian gospel. Ultimately, what those in the Galatian church were promoting was faith in yourself. Faith in your works. And that is ultimately idolatry. To put your hope and trust in yourself is to break the first of all commandments. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, Luther says. You don't fear, love, and trust in me, myself, and I above all things, but rather in a God who graciously and lovingly pours out salvation on you and me. And that's what causes Paul to say at the end of his letter, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing in which St. Paul can boast, can kind of get a little bit chirpy about and, and, and just find joy and celebration and putting forth before everyone, is not what a great apostle he's been because he knows he has even more sin in his past of which he deserves the fire of hell. No, his only reason for boasting is that on the cross, his Lord Jesus Christ fully and totally and completely paid for his sin, for the sins of the Galatians, and for your sin. And for that, dear Christians, we can puff out our chests a little bit. We can boast in that. I have a Savior who has died for me. He has gone to a cross and taken all my sin. He has triumphed over that cross, coming back to life from the grave and giving me the gift of life forever in the Father's new creation. In that, we can boast. But make no mistake about it, Paul would remind us. There is a burden placed on you. And it's not one in which you put your faith and your trust as a way to get to heaven. That can never be. Jesus Christ has already done that. No, what happens 
is to the follower of Jesus Christ, they, as Jesus himself teaches us in the Gospels, the follower of Jesus Christ must carry his own cross. You see that message of the cross very similarly today, where we are accused of worshiping someone who perhaps never existed, which is just patently false if you have even a modest grasp of history, or someone who isn't who he claimed to be, even though that message has stood the test of time for 2,000 years. Nonetheless, the message of the cross is a scandal. That's the word Paul uses in 1 Corinthians to describe it. He says the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Even in Paul's day, it seemed nonsensical that people would place their hope, their trust, their confidence, their faith in an object like a cross. And yet God in his power, the one who ordains that all things are good, as we just sang, accomplished his good on that cross, giving Paul reason to boast and you and I to re- a reason to boast that we likewise are saved, are delivered. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me take the last part first. Paul says, I've been crucified to the world. By being a follower of Jesus, Paul was regarded by many as a fool. And so are you. The world sees the Christian church and views it as nonsense, foolishness. Trust in legends and fables and tall tales. And yet by faith in that cross that the world scorns us for and hates us for and rejects us for, we carry all of their insults gladly, knowing of what awaits those who have their salvation in Jesus Christ. We are crucified to the world. We carry the cross as Jesus carried a cross. Not that we suffer for our own sins, but rather as a follower of him, we are identified with him. And because he took on a cross and endured the shame and the scorn and the hatred that came with that cross, as one of his followers, you can anticipate that you will endure that as well. You are crucified to the world because you have a Savior, a Lord, who is crucified. And yet Paul also says, the world has been crucified to me. In other words, their threats, their insults, their evil words are empty and powerless because they cannot take away from you what Christ Jesus has already accomplished, has already completed, 
by saying, it is finished. The people of God, you and I, are people of faith. More specifically, we are people of faith in Jesus and his cross and his work for all sinners. And if his work is for all sinners, that means it's for me. If his work is for all sinners, that means it's for you. And his cross becomes our cross. We carry it with us wherever we go. Paul writes in verse 17, before he closes his letter with his doxology, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. God in his mercy has not granted that any of us have had to suffer thus far in the way that St. Paul suffered for being a follower of Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't suffer. It doesn't mean that suffering can't get worse, that persecution against Christians can't increase and, God forbid, one day become like what St. Paul endured. But regardless, we all, like St. Paul, carry the cross of Jesus wherever we go. Because when his name is put on you, as it was in your baptism, you're identified with him. You belong to him. He is your Lord. And people see you and know you and associate you with him. The very nature of one dying on a cross is that a cross is the shape of a body. I mean, that's how it works, right? It's meant to have the hands and the feet nailed upon it. But in so doing, that means every one of us, head, torso, legs, and arms, we are all cross-shaped. Our very existence is a reminder to us of who has redeemed us. Our very existence gives us reason to boast, to be bold and proud and joyful and celebratory in telling where we put our faith. It's not just faith that saves. It is true. We are saved by faith, but more specifically, we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ in whom we boast. We are saved by his cross. The cross we carry with us every single day. And that cross is not a burden we can't carry. Instead, it is a joy. Because as Paul writes towards the end of his letter, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Whatever we endure, whatever carrying the cross of Jesus Christ entails in this world, 
The world can't take away the new creation in which Jesus reigns forever and will gather his entire church to live in his holy, perfect presence with him and the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. Dear people of God, remember, you are people of faith. But remember where your faith is directed. Only and solely on the one in whose cross we boast, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.